0: Your bed, you gotta lay in it. I've, you better have a good explanation for that. That's all I can say. Uh-huh. That's all I've got to say. It's 8.37 a.m., Saturday, May the 2nd, 2020. I'm Bill.
1: I'm Diane.
0: It's the Bill and Diane Show. <producción> <flavored> see how I waited an extra beat there? I built anticipation. I mean, you were like.
1: Yeah, you I didn't know what say, you were going to do. What <laughs> happened?
0: And then, you know. <coughs> I'll probably edit out that the hesitation. <laughs> Actually, I was just swallowing. <laughs> I didn't want to gargle during the. It's the You didn't, <laughs> you didn't want to gurg- gurgle? No. Well, garg- uh, the whole idea is to gurgle. So if I get some obstruction in my gurgle, it could ruin the whole piece. Indeed. Ruin the end and one of the loveliest parts in the whole piece. My goodness.
1: I can't believe it's already so
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> uh the the whole time space continuum, Diane. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm gonna take me a sip. Like I gotta tell you, <laughs> Somebody's been doinking around with the time space continuum. Ah, I am
1: it's getting wobbly.
0: Yeah, it's getting wobbly. It's perfectly wambly. It's it's wimpy, it's wampy, it's wambly. Wimpy wampy, wambly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know oh, what's happening to it. We're riding it out. That's what we're doing. We're, we're surfing.
1: We're, we're surfing? Surfing. Surfing. <laughs> surf.
0: <laughs> surfing the Well, maybe we're surfing. <laughs> Another hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Over to you, Diane. Thank you.
1: Well, it has been very frantic for me at work because...
0: At work, which is... About six feet that way. Yes. Yeah. Well, but the commute, you know, you.
1: in the in the
0: community. No, I understand. Of
1: work, uh, because you know we're having to navigate through things we've never navigated through before, and it's taking a lot of creative thinking, and and uh, it's it's wild, man. It's a wild world. Yeah. But you wrote a new song this week. That was a big thing.
0: Was it? It was a little thing, actually. It was a surprising thing, but, uh, you know, I owe it all to Amy Reed. (laughs) I owe it all to Amy Reed because she insisted that in our songwriting group that we have an assignment.
1: I actually think that's a good idea.
0: Well, of course you do. You're one of those kind of people.
1: Pardon me, I'm having a drink of coffee.
0: (laughs) You love assignments, you know. (laughs) Me? You, boy. I do not traditionally like assignments at all. But we, you know, since we're meeting every two weeks, the songwriting group, I had time to sit down twice and consider the assignment. And the first time I sat down, I wrote a verse and part of a chorus, just the lyrics. The only melody I had for it was the melody to Marjorie's song. which, if you folks have not seen that, we should put that up on the Bill and Diane Show page. If we oh, already. absolutely. Uh, Marjorie and Nancy doing Marjorie's song "Ghost," which they submitted to the Tiny Desk Concert uh, contest. Excuse me. Anyway, um, I was singing my words to Marjorie's tune because it's such a lovely melody. Um, but then I was like, "Well, wait a minute. I can't. I'm not going to cop M- Marjorie's melody for my song." So I just put the thing away for. Uh, probably a week and then uh, we were going to be meeting on Thursday evening and so Thursday morning I thought well I probably should look at those things again I looked again and I had not listened to Marjorie's song in a while so her melody did not not immediately come into my head when I looked at the words so that's when I grabbed my guitar and it's kind of the rest of it just kind of fell out there finished the chorus and then then, uh, you know blah blah blah
1: Well, I was down here working, and I kept hearing uh, the song above me from the upstairs climbs, and I have been told by Bill never to say anything about that I've heard anything new or anything, so I was just thinking, oh my gosh, there's a new song being written up there. It's a fragile state. It's a fragile state, the... uh well, I totally understand it, and yeah. I have always uh, been in the... I was thinking, oh, man, he's writing a new song. And I could hear just a couple of the lyrics, but not too much about what was coming out. But I heard Isolation and stuff, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's writing a song about our present times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I loved oh, my the, gosh. the guitar. You know, is so gorgeous, and, and it... Uh, it was being played over and over, and I thought, "I love that! I love that guitar."
0: It's Woody. So, so. Woody has got this huge sweet spot uh, from about the third fret to about the eighth fret. If you're capoing uh, in that zone, he's just, just Woody just sounds extra sweet. And I don't know. But,
1: but I was so astonished that you actually sent it to me that day because usually when I hear something in progress, it's yeah, well, a little it while. It was
0: different because it was, you know, I had already worked on it for one session, but I didn't have any kind of a clue about a melody, which is unusual. Um, so I almost rejected the concept out of hand because I knew that, it, you know, it had, the lyric had attached itself to Marjorie's melody. And so I thought, oh, well, there you go. I can't can't use that now because it's kind of been, you know, in my mind, there's there's been a, transgression of something of songwriting etiquette uh, to have <laughs> written lyrics to someone else's melody you know? and so you know, for some reason that just stopped me but then I thought well I can look at the words and then the, a new melody occurred to me but it's still I, you know, I owe a lot to Marjorie for the inspiration because there's, there's, a, there's a tone in Ghost that I think I am mimicking in my song you know? but it's a sweet tone and uh, in my song, I really like that the what's being talked about is not revealed until the last word of the chorus. Yeah. You know, that feels really good. It's like all this kind of, it just kind of is this nice.
1: You know. Well, thank the you. The
0: release of pressure at the last of the chorus. So, I like that. I like creating a, an, uh, an energetic shape with a song where it does a particular kind of, emotional manipulation
1: I love the line never knew that fear could feel like this yeah equal parts bliss and list of the recently gone recently gone because that you know that it does describe what my experience of this is yeah and and it's I, an
0: odd I mean it's one of a, a number of odd emotions that we are kind of by virtue of this circumstance we are encountering an int, a new sense of the combination of gratitude and fear, yeah, you know, um, than, than, in, than anything I've experienced before, and that's yeah. what I was trying to get at is there's a there's a piece of this that I am so happy about, and you know it's like the thing that nobody really wants to talk about because it feels yeah. it feels shameful it feels kind of like a betrayal of the seriousness of the of what's happening. If you talk about how, yeah, but I really like just hanging out with Diane. You know? um, well, and also, but it's true.
1: Uh, yeah, there have been changes in our world that have been remarkable. Right, and a lot of us are so, hoping that
0: those changes will, not, will stay in place. That's right. Even as we kind of have this whimsical sense that we know that they won't.
1: But I also <laughs> think that it represents that uh, I've seen a post where somebody said that they've been hearing that everybody's saying we're all in the same boat but we are not in the same boat. Yeah. You know, some boats are shipwrecked we're in and the same some storm. Yeah, we're yeah, in the same storm. There. Yeah, but not the same boat. But that's, not the same boat. That's a really
0: boat. good image for the situation.
1: And I I feel like for us that are in the place where we aren't being confronted, at least of yet, with the disease in our households or or unemployment in our households, you know, that there's a feeling of um, guilt about being in that fortunate state when others are not. Right,
0: because there's a lot of people that are in the water. So, They're not even in a boat anymore. Yeah, in the that's water right.
1: And, that's, and you know. yet, you have to feel grateful for the things that you have, too. You can't ignore the the special place you are while right, you are there.
0: in order to do that, you have to numb a very important part of yourself. You yeah. have to turn off the part of yourself that is actively in love moment to moment. Yeah. You know? Because that's a that's part of of being with you that I am aware of as an ongoing thing that just kinda of rides along in my day and I don't want to be ashamed of it. Yeah. You know? So I agree entirely. Right. Well it's a it's a just part of the big emotional soup. You
1: know, know, one of the things I also loved about the song is that at the (coughs) very first you say one of them said, because it's just like the, the pair is so.
0: Well, that's not what I meant when I wrote the line. Who are all these people in my head? One of them said, referring to all the people in my head.
1: Oh, I see.
0: (laughs) One of the people in my head said, who are all these people in my head? (laughs) That was the, that was the initial, uh, Set of lines that just kind of made me think. Oh, that's, oh, this is an interesting approach.
1: That's interesting. I didn't hear it that I way. I mean,
0: that's that's the way I, I hear, heard it when I wrote it. It's not necessarily the way I intend it yeah. to be heard. It's interesting to to. It's always fun to write a song and then see how it how the lines you wrote play with other people.
1: Yeah, the way that I read it or heard it was all the people who are dead. Yeah. That well, are that's there in your head
0: now. The people in my head are the people that I'm concerned about. The yeah. people that, that are dead. The people that are suffering. Uh, the people that have lost their job. I know all the, the yeah. pe- people on the other side of this equation that I'm going to spend this song on. Yeah, you know? exactly. Anyway. It's a,
1: I, I am addicted to that song.
0: I knew it was going to be a short song because I knew that this was a subject that I wanted to get in and get out. It was kind of like, I want to get in, I want to get out. I don't want to dwell here. Yeah. I don't want to get cute. I don't want to, you know, I've got one little cute turnaround in the song that's kind of the Easter egg there at the end of the chorus. Yeah. And that's all I want to do. Because it's a it's a subtle point. It doesn't need to be beaten over the head.
1: No. I just love the melody so much that I wanted to go on. But I like to just listen to it in a loop now.
0: So. <sighs> well, I'm sure they'll come up with a vaccine for that. <laughs>
1: And I'm not taking it, man. <laughs> so to go from the sublime
0: <laughs> to the ridiculous. To the ridiculous. Yes, I love it. I love the juxtaposition. Thank you for, thank you for uh, giving me that side of the equation. i mean the sublime side rather than the, the ridiculous. You are, side. are the sublime side. That was what side. you meant, right? It was. Okay, good.
1: Well, mainly <laughs> just it's it is the ridiculous just because uh, the. The songs that we have chosen for today are
0: funny. You'll recall that we are going back through our lists of ten albums that that we either loved or that were influential in our lives. Uh, the thing that people were doing on Facebook a few weeks ago.
1: And one of my first choices, because uh, Bill had last week's choice, and um, so this choice was mine. And uh, one of the first albums I put up was My Fair Lady. The original Broadway, Broadway, Broadway with recorder. Julie Andrews and this record was so powerful, an informing aspect of my life uh, from a lot of standpoints. First of all, my parents had a lot of different soundtracks. They had My Fair Lady, they had Camelot, they had My uh, Sound of Music, and... Peter Pan. Peter Pan was in there. I forgot about was that. that.
0: The, was that the Mary Martin version? Yeah, the Mary Martin version. The TV version. version. I remember yeah. watching that version.
1: And uh, perhaps there were others, but those were the ones I remembered. Uh-huh. And uh, My Fair Lady was always my favorite of those, of that grouping. And the reason why, and I now think that it educated my <laughs> my reading habits too. I loved the concepts that were put through in that recording of G.B. Shaw. And it was so funny because uh, I was looking up some information about the play and found the preface to the play Pygmalion uh, was the, the play that Shaw wrote. And in the preface, it has all of the... I mean, it's almost like learner actually just lifted the...
0: The essences of each song from the preface?
1: Actually, uh, just the, the song about why can't the English oh. teach their children how to speak. That is almost lifted verbatim from the preface. And when I was reading that, I thought, oh, my gosh, look at this. He just lifted this and, you know, modeled it around the the song. And I just thought that was so splendid. But I remember when I was young, I had this habit, which I'm always a little embarrassed to disclose, that when I would listen to musicals, I'd sing to myself in the mirror when I would, uh, because we had this mirror in the hallway. And when no one was around, I would sing to myself in the mirror and make all the faces that I thought were appropriate, and My Fair Lady was my favorite one to do that with. But I also was a huge fan of Julie Andrews when I was a child, uh, and I think a lot of people were huge fans of Julie Andrews. She was
0: she was big time at that time, yeah. and, uh, between Mary Poppins and Sound of Music. And
1: exactly, and I had the soundtrack from Mary Poppins too. <laughs> That was my personal record. But I just loved everything about My Fair Lady and uh, loved the songs, loved the humor. And as I was alluding to last week, <clears throat> I think it taught me a lot about gender roles, uh, how men viewed women and how women viewed men. You know, the uh, it was interesting to hear sort of <laughs> I was gonna say a misogynistic approach to a woman, which is uh him to him. But actually uh Higgins was just an extremely selfish man, <laughs> you know. He wanted everybody to be like him is basically the thing.
0: But he was an intellectual snob he was among an, other things. Yes. You know, everybody isn't everybody Interested in the same things I'm interested exactly. in? I exactly. Mean, can there be another topic of conversation?
1: Possibly. And I always found it so interesting that he is such a affable and likable character, even though he has some very unlikable traits. Right. I always thought that that was a very interesting hat trick that, that Shaw pulled off because he is somewhat fascinating as a, a person. And, of course, I had mentioned in my comments that um, I read Shaw just as almost like novels because his stage instructions are so detailed that they actually are like reading a novel, like reading the novel part and then you're reading the conversations. And he is so quick-witted and so immensely amusing in all of his didactic approach that he takes. Um, I just loved it. And I had the habit of reading plays because my brother was in drama and used to have me help him read his lines. So I discovered the, the very fascinating qualities of reading plays as just their own thing. If you've got a pretty active imagination, which I do, you can imagine everything, uh, even without having it played out in front of you in the drama. Anyway, I loved I loved Pygmalion. I loved Man and Superman. That's one of my favorite plays to read by Shaw. And I've actually seen it acted uh, at Ashland at the Shakespearean Festival. So did you have any experience with My Fair Lady? Did you Not guys have it? Nope. Not nothing. Yeah. Nothing. But the other thing that I remembered is that when I was, I think it was first grade, I uh, I sang Wouldn't It Be Loverly for a talent show uh, because I love My Fair Lady so much. And my mom dressed me up like a little flower girl. I had a, a hat that I had from uh, Disneyland that was a Mary Poppins hat and so I wore that and I do not know what other things I had I had a parasol and stuff like that and I remember that instant I remember getting ready for that and that the principal of my school who really liked me she um, said afterwards to my mother that I was her fair lady so mm, I thought
0: that was really that's cool. nice that's
1: nice that's my, my whole thing but you had other soundtracks. You had *Music Man*, which we, we had did *The not. Music
0: Man* sound of music. That's the only two I remember. And *Jesus Christ Superstar*. Yeah, that was, that was an album that my sister and I bought.
1: Well, I bought that one yeah. too the, later on in the, the my Broadway
0: life. recording, not the movie version. But yeah, yeah, so a couple of tunes from that soundtrack album. Yes. Excellent.
2: At her a prisoner of the gutter condemned by every syllable she uttered by right she should be taken out and hung for the cold-blooded murder of the english
0: tongue
2: Ow! Oh, heavens what a noise this is what the british population calls an elementary education oh come sir i think you picked a poor example did i Hear them down in Soho Square, dropping H's everywhere, speaking English any way they like. You, sir, did you go to school? What do you type me for? fool? No one taught him take instead of type. Hear a Yorkshireman, or worse, hear a Cornishman converse. I'd rather hear a choir singing flat. Chickens cackling in a barn, just like this one. GOM. GOM. I ask you, sir, what sort of word is that? It's ow and gone that keep her in her place Not her wretched clothes and dirty face Why can't the English teach their children how to speak? This verbal class distinction by now should be antique If you spoke as she does, sir, instead of the way you do Why, you might be selling flowers too I beg your pardon, sir? An Englishman's way of speaking absolutely classifies him The moment he talks, he makes some other Englishman despise him One common language I'm afraid we'll never get. Oh, why can't the English learn to set a good example to people whose English is painful to your ears? The Scotch and the Irish leave you close to tears. There even are places where English completely disappears. In America, they haven't used it for years. Why can't the English teach their children how to speak? Norwegians learn Norwegian, the Greeks are taught their Greek. In France, every Frenchman knows his language made a Z. The French don't care what they do, actually, as long as they pronounce it properly. Arabians learn Arabian with the speed of summer lightning. And the Hebrews learn it backwards, which is absolutely frightening. But use proper English, you're regarded as a freak. Oh, why can't the English? English learn to speak. What in all in heaven can have prompted her to go? such a triumph at the ball. What could have depressed her? What could have possessed her? I cannot understand the wretch at all. They're irrational, that's all there is to that. Their heads are full of cotton, hay and rags. They're nothing but exasperating, irritating, vacillating, calculating, agitating, maddening and infuriating hands. Pickering. Why can't a woman be more like a man? Hmm? Yes. Why can't a woman... ...be more like a man? Men are so honest square, eternally noble, historically fair, who when you win will always give your back a pat. Why can't a woman be like that? Why does everyone do what the others do? Can't a woman learn to use her head? Why do they do everything their mothers do? Why don't they grow up like their father instead? Why can't a woman take after a man. Men are so pleasant, so easy to please. whenever you're with them. You're always at ease. Would you be slighted if I didn't speak for hours? Of course not. Would you be livid if I had a drink or two? Nonsense. Would you be wounded if I never sent you flowers? Never. Why can't a woman be like you? One man in a million may shout a bit, Now and then there's one with slight defects One perhaps whose truthfulness you doubt a bit But by and large we are a marvellous sex Why can't a woman behave like a man? Men are so friendly, good-natured and kind A better companion you never will find If I were hours late for dinner, would you bellow? Of course not. If I forgot your silly birthday, would you fuss? Nonsense. Would you complain if I took out another fellow? Never. But Why can't a woman be like us? Mrs. Pierce, you're a woman. Why can't a woman be more like a man? Men are so decent, such regular chaps, ready to help you through any mishaps. Ready to buck you up whenever you are glum? Why can't a woman be a chum? Why is thinking something women never do? Why is logic never even tried? Straightening up their hair is all they ever do. Why don't they straighten up the mess that's inside? Why can't a woman be more like a man? If I was a woman who'd been to a ball, been hailed as a princess by one and by all would i start weeping like a bathtub overflowing carry on as if my home were in a tree would i run off and never tell me where i'm going why can't a woman be like me